Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. And hello there all of you podcast fans. This is Jay Madison here on Jay Madison's Rural America. And glad you've all tuned in again. Man, people keep coming back, Ron. Yeah, I don't know. We must be doing something right, I guess, Jay. I think it's Al's looks. Ah, it's of course be. it is. Of course, we all know there's, we there's have no a face for radio. Right? Well, that's yeah. where I was going with it. <laughs> oh, happy Easter, Al. Oh, yeah, thanks, Jay. Happy Easter to you. Well, it's good to have you guys back in the uh, in the studio here with us. Uh, we've got another uh, great show lined up. We've got a gentleman that has actually traveled here to Jefferson County to talk to us about uh, the beef industry and uh, meat processing and so on. So I, I'm not going to waste too much time. I want to get him into the conversation with us, and that is Dr. Travis Maddock. He is the founder and owner of Dakota Global Consulting. And uh, he's got, folks, I'm not going to go through the whole uh, bio, but he's just got years and years of experience. He travels all over the world providing uh, consulting services to uh, meat processing companies, the beef industry. And unfortunately, Ron L., for, for Travis, he lives in North Dakota, and today they're getting hammered by yeah isn't it nice to spread some of that wealth of crummy <laughs> weather uh here we are in upstate new york i think it's about 70 right now and the sun is shining yeah, yeah and yeah. beautiful day and you know not to make light of it but uh you know off air travis was talking about you know the feet of snow they've had in the last three days up there it's uh, unbelievable yeah you know travis you can you can feel our sympathy for you yeah, I, I got a real sense of that. I was wondering if there was a cursing was allowed on the old podcast. Let loose, but I'll, uh, I'll refrain. Yeah, so, I appreciate so. that, sir. Yeah, you, so we've, had, uh, we've had quite the blizzard up here the last two, three days. Um, started Tuesday morning. And, you know, I'll say this, the, the, the advances in technology now, we all had good warning this was coming. Um uh, about 20 years ago or so, we had a blizzard that was similar to this, and I think it was in '97. And uh, we just didn't get, we just didn't have the advanced knowledge of it. It kind of caught us by surprise. Um, uh, that winter, and between Western uh, South Dakota and North Dakota, we lost well over a quarter million cattle. Wow! You think about that. And, Unbelievable. Uh, uh, we're going to have some pretty significant losses from this one as well. But I tell you what, everybody's been hunkering hunkering in and, and, and getting cattle where they need to be and getting livestock in and, and, and stuff um, since uh, since the weekend. And uh, so hopefully that'll minimize some of the impacts uh, that this storm has had. But. Tell us a little bit about the North Dakota cattle industry. We, you know, we, we hear the stories, but for a lot of yeah. our listeners, they have no familiarity whatsoever with that. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, we're to predominantly a cow calf state jay it uh we don't we don't do much value added uh here in terms of feeding um some backgrounding but uh you know the the, the corn and most of the good feed stuffs are or at least traditionally have been a little removed from north dakota nebraska iowa kansas um and so a lot of our calves do they leave 
they leave North Dakota to get uh, to get finished before they go to, to harvest. Um, now North Dakota, though, through I mean, you think about the genetics that uh, in some of these crops that we have now. When I was a kid, the thought that we would be raising corn and soybeans and in my county, Benson County, North Dakota, I'm about 80 miles from the Canadian border in the north central part of the state. Um, but we are predominantly a corn and soybean rotation here now. Uh, you know, 125 to 150 bushel dry dry land corn is not unheard of. Wow! And uh, yeah, it's uh, and and so credit uh, credit the the uh, the advancements in genetics uh, in our in our crop uh, industries, but uh, still predominantly cow calf. Um, about a million cows, um, uh, roughly. Um, last summer we had a terrible drought. We think we probably lost a hundred to 200,000 of those cows. Wow. Um, and, uh, so, you know, maybe 10 to 20% of the cows have left North Dakota, um, because we did have such an extreme drought. We're still in a bad drought in the Western part of the state, even with this snowstorm. I mean, this might've brought two, maybe two inches of, of, uh, of moisture, so to speak, but we're still way, way, way behind. Some of those guys are, are still in, uh, still in deep. Um, with regards to moisture, they're still going to need a lot of spring rains and summer rains in order to even get close to getting caught up. But, um, yeah. So now, does that uh, extend up into the plains of Canada as well, Travis, this drought? It does on the western side. It absolutely does. goes up into Saskatchewan and Alberta. Um, there's a lot of, lot of dryness up there. Um, and then it goes all the way down to Texas. We, once again, we were talking off air about some of the challenges they've had the last couple of days. This storm that came through, uh, it socked us with moisture. Thank goodness. Uh, everything kind of worked out. And, uh, while we bemoan the, the blizzard and the, and, you know, and, and the loss of livestock and that's all terrible. There is a little silver lining in the fact that, that it did bring much needed moisture. Um, although we would sure would, I'd much rather it was 65 degrees than a nice warm rain, of course. Right. Yeah. That's what change, we've been getting. That would have been yeah. way Best. better, but we'll take, we'll take the moisture. And, uh, but yeah, this system created, I mean, there were wildfires in Kansas and Oklahoma. The winds were terrible. There was, it was, you know, 80, 90 degrees in Texas. The winds were terrible. Um, and so uh, we've got a lot of challenges out here in cow country right now. You know, it, it's pretty amazing that a couple climatologists that I follow, Travis, uh, had predicted this as much as three to four weeks ago. We had that stratospheric uh, warming event that took place and uh, then a breakaway polar vortex out of that. And and it was pretty clear that this was going to shape up to for that polar vortex to come diving down and uh, yeah. create a lot of atmospheric un uneasiness, I guess. And ultimately, you sure. guys get in the brunt of the blizzard. So. Yeah. You know, it's been a winter from hell. I'll be honest. It's, uh, we've had, I bet we've had, uh, more than a dozen clippers have come through here. I don't know how you guys have been, wow. you know, oh, yeah, same here. Lakes, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's like every three, four days, it seemed like another clipper came across. We'd get a bit of snow, but then the winds would just blow for two days and it would, it would get cold and, and, and blow. And so we had, you know, on our ranch, we try to, we try to graze our cows, on uh, corn stalks on residue for a good portion of the winter if we can well this year we got double whammy mm. we got uh, on, uh about the middle of december we got our big snowstorm came through dropped snow once again much needed moisture but it wiped out all our corn 
turn around and hay, of course, because of the drought was anywhere from, uh, you know, 200 to $350 a ton. And then compound wow. that with the fact that we went into the deep freeze about the 1st of January and stayed there till beginning mm -hmm. of March. And our intakes were just insane. I, we, there better be some gold nuggets in some of these calves here come this fall. <laughs> back up 2021 and 2022 and wonder what the hell it is I'm doing in the cow business. So, uh, in regards to this calf crop, uh, you know, you've talked about some of the mama cow liquidation that had to take place uh, over the last uh, six, eight months because of dry conditions. Uh, that certainly reduces the number of calves being born. And then you have a situation with this blizzard that may take out some more calves right during calving season. What What is the, the situation regarding numbers? Well, we're definitely seeing a reduction in cow herd numbers, uh, uh, you know, in the U.S. Uh, the drought has been has been devastating to that. Um, so from Texas, once again, we've got a pretty strong drought, Texas, New Mexico, all the way up through Colorado, Kansas, Nebraska, and South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming. So the, the big beef states about, well, I could do a little math for you, but it's between 60 and 70 percent of all the cattle are produced in those states. And every one of those states, a portion of that state, is experiencing either a D3 or a D4 drought mm -hmm. uh, and has been for the past 18 months. So what we're seeing is, is what we saw last summer was a lot of cows went to town. Um, and there, and there wasn't always a lot of places for them to go. Uh, so a lot of them went to slaughter mm -hmm. and, uh, and ended up, uh, depopulating. And then you add in the fact that we were on a little bit of a downhill slide anyway, because prices haven't been as good. Um, you know, and that's the free markets doing what they do. It's messy and destructive, but you know, we were seeing, you know, the, the price of, uh, of feeder calves and, and, and calves out in the countryside, we're a little lower, so you're starting to see some of these guys start to uh, depopulate and then add in the drought. So we're definitely seeing a, a pretty solid reduction uh, in uh, in the number of cows that are out there being exposed to bulls. So what we feel like in the industry, at least the folks I visit with and the, and the, the, the boards and stuff that I serve on, is that we feel pretty good about what prices are going to be this fall um, because, you know, we're talking just basic supply and demand. We're, we're talking about there's going to be a fewer fewer calves in the countryside and uh, demand demand is really good right now even with inflation and everything we're still seeing record demand numbers uh for beef uh, in the beef industry so well that that part's good for the farmers to to hear that dem demand is being maintained even given the the uh the problems with inflation i just want to let our listeners know that you're you're listening to travis maddock we're talking with Tra dr travis maddock he is a uh a beef industry expert uh, based out of Nicole, uh, North Dakota. Uh, his company, Dakota Global, uh, has been here to Jefferson County in the past, uh, helping us on uh, meat processing plans and so on. And I was very neglectful not to introduce my co-hosts at the beginning of the show. I just assume everybody knows you guys. Uh, we've got the one, the only, Al Waltz. I thought you did introduce us. I don't think I, I did. Oh, I think well. I just started calling you names and stuff yeah, you don't care anyway <laughs> we're just here to make you look good Jay. <laughs> well you guys have all In the brains i just job. push the buttons that's all i do <laughs> and then we've got ron robbins uh from north harbor dairy and old mcdonald's farm and robbins uh family grain here uh as our usual 
uh, concert of co-hosts or something like that. That's what I that call it. That makes that. sense, I yeah, guess. Yeah, something like yeah. that. <laughs> but anyways, we've got Travis. And uh, so, Travis, that, uh, that information you just provided us, that demand is still holding. And we're seeing that, I believe, uh, Ron. Would you echo that at the local level? For uh, Yeah, and I think it mirrors the dairy industry, too, right now. Even though we've got record high milk prices, we're seeing record demand for dairy products. And I think it's just... Uh, you know, a lot of pent up demand. Uh, you know, the restaurant chains are are booming. Um, People you know. want quality food, and uh, they're getting back to basics. I think we, in this unbelievable uh, inflationary period we're yeah. in right now. Good quality milk, good quality beef. Well, and I think that's part of it, Al, is that people are still eating at home. Right. Um, the restaurants are starting to get expensive. Plus, the you know you can't get employees. So I think people yeah. are are eating a lot more at home. At least I I think that's what's yeah, happening. Yeah, grilling there. seasons here. In grilling seasons here, yeah. which is which is very good. Yeah. Um, but uh, do, but what do you expect to see, Travis? Because my concern, and you and Ron were echoing this at the beginning of the show today. You talked about the blizzard. It's going to take out a percentage of our beef herd, at least out of the northern plains. Down in Texas, the 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 heat and the winds are, as you called it, Ron, sandblasting the wheat crop. And then there's this significant drought across many states. What what is all of that pushing us towards? You know, who the hell knows? Um <laughs> That's perfect because we don't know, After all that right? Talk about how an expert in everything, and I, you know, that's a it's really tough right now. You talk about inflation, yeah, so throw it all in the war, inflation, um, you know, the drought, uh, you know, throw in midterm elections. I'm sorry, but that's gonna play a part in how this all sure. plays out yeah you know because how much how much money is the government going to pump into the economy uh, just come to new york and you'll find months. out yeah well i <laughs> you know, we know that happens is that is that close enough to the line or should i step back yeah. <laughs> um, you're good so far <laughs> okay so i mean i'm just saying uh uh it, it it's it's really complicated right now you know what we talk about record demand, and Ron mentioned record demand in dairy and beef, and we have that. We've got our demand for beef right now is the highest it's been uh, since the basically since the, low, the early '80s um, from a demand standpoint. We've got the best domestic demand that we've had in 30 some years. But how much of that demand is driven by this five or six or seven trillion dollars that the government printed over the last two years fighting the pandemic or trying to boost up the economy you know people have got money right now i know that's going to piss some people off when i say that but generally speaking consumers are are really well off they don't have to work as much and they have dollars in their pocket which of course is what's driving inflation so how much of that demand is a little false i guess is what i'm trying to say well what scares uh, me is yeah. I, I think the government's going to keep printing money that should scare everybody to death that should scare every, that should scare the hell out of everybody because at well, at some point that that's a house of cards and it's going to collapse. Hmm. That's 
we're going to end up with a tremendous recession at some point if we don't knock this stuff off. But that's that's another podcast, probably. Um, <laughs> well, you know, and uh, Travis, I just drove back from Florida ten days ago or so, and. Uh, you know, it was amazing. Uh, it didn't matter. We took three or four days to make it back up through. But, you know, the chain restaurants like Texas Roadhouse, Outback, Longhorn, they were just every night uh, packed. People standing in line yep. in the parking lot waiting to get in. You know, 7, yep. 8 o'clock at night, not 5 to 6.30 or 7. You know, this... They were still standing in line at seven thirty, eight o'clock. I mean, it's just a lot of pent up demand there. Well, the p- pandemic has definitely changed an awful lot about how we shop, how we eat, and now and now we've got this. Yeah, it's almost like that rubber band's been stretched just as tight as it can be for all of us, and now it's starting to release, and you're starting to see that momentum. Um, I'll tell a story about my. We took some vacation in Arizona here a month or so ago. And I like to golf, but you can't get on a golf course. And uh, and golf was three hundred dollars around. Wow! <laughs> and 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 you couldn't get on. I we went out, and I got some friends we vacation with, and we went down there, and we got on like at the resort we were staying at seven a.m. Only tea time available. We were the first ones off, and the guy, the the starter that sent us off, he says at two golf courses there, he says we're doing over a hundred thousand dollars a day just in greens fees. Wow. Um, and Man, I'm, that'll I'm pay some bills, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's $300 around and you know who it is. It's all 25 to 40 year old kid wandering around. Now, when I was that age, there's no way I could, I couldn't even come close to playing those courses. No, I can't yeah, do it. No now. way. I'm in my family. Oh my God. <laughs> life's pretty good. And I'm thinking, where do the, all these kids get that money? Well, the government printed all that money they, and they yeah. put it in everybody's pocket. And, uh, and and that's that's what I'll say about that. It is definitely going to change how consumers and customers shop and what they spend their money on. And right now, really high quality beef. We'll get back to the beef conversation. Uh, there doesn't seem like there's any ceiling there. I mean, uh, we all see, have seen the prices in the in the supermarkets. You know, uh, ribeyes bringing seventeen, eighteen bucks a pound, and they can't keep them in stock. Uh, it's it's crazy where do we hit that breaking point is my question because you know i i agree i'm seeing all of these increases in prices for food and we know that there's a breaking point but and i'm not asking you travis to to necessarily know where it is but are we there how high can this go before all of a sudden it falls apart well, they're starting to do some things to combat inflation. We're going to see interest rates starting to rise. We're starting to see some cracks in the system, I think. Um, uh, you know, there, there's got to be a slowdown at some point something. here. Once again, the whole thing is just going to implode on us. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think we've probably, I don't know this, but I suspect that we've reached that ceiling now um, with uh, with regards to s- some price in the beef in complex. Um, particularly with retail uh, prices, but who knows? I mean, uh, things have to start leveling off here a little bit. Um, And I think what the other thing that's happening in the beef industry that I want to talk about is just uh, how some of those dollars are now starting to flow back to producers. For for a good portion of the pandemic, there was a lot of those dollars that kind of got stopped uh, before they got back to the farm, and now we're starting to see consumers 
and uh, and the and the production, the beef supply chain starting to loosen some of that up, and some of those dollars are going to start flowing back a little closer to the land again. So, which is good because in addition to benefiting the farmer directly, it starts to benefit these rural communities that can definitely use that that help through the you know through the economic engine of the farm. So. Uh, absolutely that absolutely. will be very yeah. beneficial what are you seeing as far as meat processing you know that's we had you up here in jefferson county to help us take a look at the meat processing industry how much has changed since then is there still that big pent-up demand for meat processing or do you think it's you know being met now no we're still we there's still definitely room for more processors i mean and when the pandemic started and this whole thing kind of went to hell uh, what you saw was, is you saw a lot of folks, well, I know in my part of the world, everybody that owned cows got in the beef business. Well, I might as well finish some and we'll, we'll market them. And so all these small locker plants and small processors, they got backed up. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them were out over a year with regards to harvest spots. Everybody just, just spoke for them. Yeah. And now we're starting to see that kind of go away. What, what a lot of folks don't realize is that you can sell beef directly to consumers, um, but there isn't a whole heck of a lot of margin in it. I mean, there, you know, it, it's still, is there more margin there than selling them off the farm, of course, but there's also a lot more work and it's not as easy as it sounds. And just because somebody advertises ground beef uh, on Facebook for $7 and 99 cents a pound, doesn't mean that there's a lot of folks out there willing to pay that much. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of complexity to, to selling your own product. But as far as the national scene goes, Jay, yeah, we're starting to see an expansion in processing. There's at least uh, half a dozen fairly large regional packers that are shovel-ready right now that are working on getting uh, 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 built. Um, we know that there's a, a, a bunch of that going on. Um, uh, and a, a lot of small processors have been either upgraded or built. Now, the government, once again, has stepped in and provided a lot of money. A lot of uh, a lot of support for that we've seen in like in North Dakota. I can speak about my experiences here. Um, at least three or four fairly good sized small processors. Um, we're talking small locker plants. You know, twenty large animal equivalents a week, stuff like that, have been built uh, or in the process of being built. And we've seen a number of those um, go to being inspected so mm-hmm. that they can sell at the retail level. Uh, yeah, so we're definitely seeing uh, an increase in the number of shackles, which is good for for producers. It's uh, it provides more demand. What we had at the start of the pandemic was a lot, you know, eighty percent or so of our shackles were controlled by four or five companies. Right. And uh, so if we can if we can get more uh, processors, more companies to bid on fat cattle and bid on these cattle. Um, then we should see more price discovery. We should see an increase in prices. So. Yeah. Here in Jefferson County, since you were here last, um, we uh, we have three custom processors now. One just opened last November. Two of those processors are working diligently to become USDA inspected so that they can do retail right. sales as well. So that... that um, we're seeing it's small, but it's it's a step in the right direction for the North Country. So that'll be yeah, you know, it it's small, but but every one of those can be really important. And here's the other thing that's happened during the pandemic is, and I, I firmly believe this is that consumers, because they couldn't just walk into Walmart and pick stuff up off the shelf because it wasn't there, became a little bit more aware of of 
source and where stuff and then that that led them down some of these paths and once they went down that path and they started sourcing product locally um they started to realize hey there's there is some value there now that you know you're never going to you know replace walmart with all local i know there are folks out there in the regenerative world and grass-fed and they oh we need to get rid of all these big feedlots and we need to get rid of of all this industrial food processing i can appreciate that point of view but that's simply not tenable right Um, it's not realistic no we need to produce food at mass in this country it's just not realistic now what i think the pandemic has done though is it's created some awareness particularly in some classes of the population about local foods and about the ability to maybe source a couple of you know a steer or 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 a a hog from somebody that's not that far away and get them processed locally and then also have a relationship then with that producer of your food so that's not for everybody you know you know that's just not available and you know fill Philadelphia and New York and Washington DC but it is available in places like Watertown and Devil's Lake North Dakota and and uh, you know if you have the ability and you have the means um, I think we'll see maybe a little bit more uh, of these consumers not, not looking to Walmart and Target and you know Eagles and and Kroger's and Albertsons but rather to try to figure out a little bit more about where their food is produced. Yeah. Folks, you're listening to Travis Maddock, Dr. Travis Maddock. He is with Dakota Global Consulting and uh, a beef expert who has traveled here to Jefferson County and met us in person. God bless him. And uh, so one other question I have uh, is about the war in Ukraine and what impact that has had on on the beef industry have you seen any impacts from that yet or do you expect any well, i think the biggest you know the biggest impact for us is just the uncertainty in the in the in the feed market um you know in the grain markets because you know uh, so much i mean I, there's a lot of folks out there that don't realize the bulk of the grain we produce in this country actually goes to produce meat protein whether it's beef or hogs or poultry and uh, so we have some uncertainty there Um, uh, you know, but when it comes to directly impacting demand for beef, uh, I don't think there's, there's a whole lot there, but it definitely is going to change uh, the cost complex when it comes to, uh, how do we get, you know, how, how do we feed these animals and get them to, to wait and get them ready for harvest? Um, so it does add some uncertainty though. And then it also adds uncertainty to the political landscape, which right or wrong, I mean, it, it definitely does does uh, affect uh, so much in our economy. And so the the biggest thing would be if that war goes on and it does start to trickle back uh, into how it affects the economy of the U.S., and that definitely can affect demand. Um, if you're starting to see uh, that thing spread over there into Europe and, and, and uh, uh, Western Asia, and you start to get a little more conflict going on over there, well, yeah, then that definitely can... It can it can make a difference on where the dollars end up flowing, and those and 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 so some of those dollars may end up coming out of food. Yeah, and, isn't uh, Ukraine one of the top three producers of grain in the world? Ukraine is a huge producer. Uh, I mean, it is. Uh, I, now, I've never been to Ukraine. I've been to Russia. I've been to Georgia, and I've spent a lot of time in Kazakhstan, which isn't that far away. Um, you know, but, uh, uh, yeah, they are, they are kind of like what we are up here in North Dakota, very open, flat, very fertile soils can produce tremendous amounts of cereal crops. And, um, uh, yeah, so they are a huge exporter of wheat 
and other cereal grains. Uh, not as big a producer as of corn, I don't believe, or soy. Um, but uh, a lot of the cereal grains for Europe come out of there. So you disrupt that, um, and uh, it just you know, and it just is a trickle down effect. It disrupts everything. Yeah, it's um, planting season over there right now too, right? Uh, I think so. I think there are some fall planted crops uh, in Ukraine. I think it depends what part of the country you're in, but. Yeah, they. Yeah, I'm not an I'm not an expert on Ukraine agriculture by any means. Just basically know what I've read, uh, you know, in 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 uh, in the media and some of the briefings we get. But yeah, one of the big concerns is you know war tends to be inflationary to begin with, regardless of where it's happening. And of course, you couple that with you know this energy situation in this country and and some of the policies that have led us down a path that to me, happened very quickly. I mean, we went from everything being pretty rosy and energy independence to, uh, you know, running out of energy. I read it. I, I read it. Somebody sent me a mime yesterday or a little thing. Uh, it, it, it went through, uh, you know, yeah, it, it basically stated the, you know, we just forgot to check the oil level, right? And uh, all the oil was in various states, and all the dipsticks were in Washington, D.C. <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. I, uh, yeah, you're... You know you're 100 percent correct, and 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 I I mean I know we're 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 getting to the water's edge here when it comes to politics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm watching you know, my phone lines right now. We're we're 14 months into this administration. I want you to think about that. We're 14 months into this administration, and uh, I know the pandemic wasn't easy, but look around and look at where we're at. Uh, uh, with regards to just the price, the cost of fertilizer, the cost of diesel fuel, the cost of everything is just ridiculous. I, I and, think uh, we were all taken aback at how fast everything changed. It was bang. Yeah, that everything's that's different. Been, that's been the scariest part for me. Is right, you know, and you know, we could talk about you know, you're you guys saw this blizzard coming, you know, weeks in advance, right? With but yeah. we, we didn't see this coming, this kind of inflationary trend, this energy crisis, uh, you know, diesel fuel uh, more than doubling in price, uh, fertilizer tripling in price. And, and you know, as a consumer, uh, you know, go to the grocery store, uh, you know, you're going to spend, family of four is going to spend 300 bucks probably. At, then they're going to stop and fill their car, and that's 100 bucks. And they still have to make a rental payment or a house payment and a car payment and buy their kids clothes and school supplies and uh, other household needs. Um, you know, where's the money going to come from when this thing finally does, uh, uh, the air kind of goes out of the balloon, right? So that's the real scary part. And, you know, uh, the good news is, though, we had a speaker at our ag conference last week who who touched on some of this and the fact that, Consumers really are looking for quality, and you know that that's been a trend that uh, they kind of want to know where their food's coming from, and they want quality. And you know, maybe that's why demand is you know beef is one of those things that's it's you know for the most part it's a real quality product. Yeah, day it, it is day, day out. Go ahead, Travis. I'll, I'll I'll take on to that though, and I'll say so. Just like in any anything, guys, when we have 
situations like we have right now where there are tremendous challenges, the cream will rise to the top. So every producer out there has an opportunity right now. And I'll, 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 I'll spin this a little bit to Ron's point, which is um, you, if you can differentiate yourself in the marketplace in some way, if you can create value in some way, if you can find a way, maybe it's through you know, a, a, a third-party label. Maybe it's certified humane. Maybe it's, uh, you know, non-hormone. Maybe it's all natural, whatever that case might be. And then if you can create a path to the market that, that where you can capture that, there's opportunity. There's no doubt about it. Anytime there's crisis, there's opportunity. I, You know, this should be hard. Being in business is supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy. The free markets the way this country was constructed through capitalism and free market access makes it hard to be in business. It's supposed to be tough and you're not guaranteed success. You're supposed to have to work at this. And I think sometimes people lose sight of that, that this is supposed to be freaking hard. It's supposed to be hard to put, a, to, to, to put, to put food on the table. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to cost you work. And um, sometimes we lose sight of that in this country. It seems like that there's a lot of people that seem to think that they're, that they're owed um, you know, a roof over their head and a meal on the table and clothes on their back. And the truth of the matter is they're not. We all have to work for what we get in this in this world. And that's the way it should be. And so there are, there are opportunities right now, despite all these challenges of inflation and war and, and everything else, to find ways to create value and create margin in these commodities. There's no doubt in my mind that we can do that. But you may have to step outside of your comfort zone and you may have to go, well, guess what? The way dad and I did it for the last 25 years isn't going to work anymore. And uh, you may have to go out and, and, and search and, and find it. And those that do, I think ultimately will be successful. And I think those that don't, well, the market will destroy them most likely. So. Yeah. Yeah. The theme of our conference, uh, which was last week, was who moved my cheese adapting to cha change in agriculture. And I think that was very apropos for the times. Uh, you better be figuring out uh, that you've got to move beyond where you always found the cheese and uh, be willing to explore new ways to go find that uh, big stack of fresh, tasty yeah. cheddar cheese. Well, you you have to keep New York innovating. cheddar I mean, cheese, by the way. Every every <laughs> business book in the world will tell you that lack of innovation is what will kill you, and so you have to keep innovating, and and uh, so you have to keep looking for opportunities. They're out there. People got to eat. People got to eat, and they got money in their pocket. Well, those are those, that's a good place to start. Yeah, and yep. Uh, go from there. Well, gentlemen, I think uh, I think we've run out of time for today's show. So, uh, really appreciate you joining us, Travis. Uh, it's been great to have you on our podcast. Okay, oh, ask one question before we wrap it up, Jay. If, if, Travis, if I said no, would you still ask the question? <laughs> yeah, I would. I, that's what I thought. <laughs> Travis, I'm just curious. Are, are you anywhere near Theodore Roosevelt National Park? Well, not not really all that near, but I, I'm closer than you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's on my bucket list. I was just curious as to whether you've been there, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, I've been there many times. Uh, Western North Dakota is beautiful. It's it's underutilized. They're getting ready to build uh, the Theodore Roosevelt uh, Library over there now. Oh, nice. Wow. Interestingly, he had, he had never had a presidential library, and um, they're going to build it in Medora. Medora's an older town that's kind of grabbed onto the tourism it's thing. It's where his ranch was, wasn't it? Or one of his ranches? It's where his ranch was. He had a couple of ranches out there, but uh, yeah, so the, the, the park itself is is kind of where some he had done some of his ranching, and they're going to build 
uh, yeah, they're going to build his presidential library out there. In fact, one of the heirs of Walmart is the the uh, one of the big benefactors. Oh wow! Wow! Uh, the state is putting some dollars in, and there's a lot of private, but they're in the they're in the midst of constructing it now. So Theodore Roosevelt is one of the uh, I guess one of the North Dakota takes a lot of pride in the uh, the twelve or fourteen months that Roosevelt spent here <laughs> ranching before all the cattle got killed in a, in a blizzard of all things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> back to he went back to uh, to New York now, but he is he's he's often said though that it was his experience in North Dakota that helped him get over the death of his wife and his mother. Oh, um, you know that, that happened on the same day. It's a sad so was, story. Yeah, it was a big part of his. Uh, he attributed a lot of his success to the fact that he had to come out here and figure things out. So, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, legends about Roosevelt that I wonder are true. One of the, I live, I'll, I'll just give me a second. I'll, I'll, I'll indulge myself here. One of the, I live in, so my name is Travis Do I have Maddox. a choice? <laughs> yeah. You don't have a choice. I live in Maddox, North Dakota. I grew up in a, in a town named after me. And one of the, one of the, uh, myths about, uh, Maddox was that my great grandfather's brother, uh, traveled to Bismarck and met up with Teddy Roosevelt and founded the town. And Roosevelt said, "Well, then call it Maddox." And it's one of those local legends. That great you story, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is a great story. But he, that would have been in about 1901 or 1902 when he was president. So I'm guessing he wasn't spending a whole lot of time in Bismarck. North right. <laughs> anyway, so, well, I appreciate you having me on, Jay. Thank you so much. I enjoy these types of free-flowing conversations. This is a lot of fun for me. Yeah, well, we really appreciate it. And we appreciate you, uh, you having a great conversation with us, the expertise, and just the, the, fun, uh, the fun chat, too. Ron, oh, any, I, I gave Al anything. No, no, okay. I, I'm not going to even attempt it. Jay, okay, because so. you know Al always does that to us. Yeah. You know, he's got that one last question he's got to get in. Curious which is, mind. Uh, well, we love it. We love it. Travis. Thank you very much, sir. Gentlemen, thank you for coming in today, and for all of you listening out there, uh, make sure you come back every week to Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.